Welcome to 630 Neighborville. I'm Nathan Ronchetti. And I'm Paige Ronchetti. We're so glad you're here. Today's program features grooming tips for men, advice on keeping your HVAC system running like a hero, pays tribute to Paul Hinterlong, and highlights a conversation with a familiar guest. But first, Paige is on deck with the new president of Edward Hospital to learn more about the current state and the future of healthcare. Joining us today on the program is Yvette Saba, president of Edward Hospital. She's here to discuss her new role and talk about the state of healthcare in a post-pandemic world. Welcome to the show, Yvette. It's great to have you. Thank you so much for having me today, Paige. So let's jump right in and talk a little bit about your background. How did you start your career in healthcare? Well, it started at a very young age. Both my mom and dad um, were physicians. My dad was a physician. My mom was a nurse. I went to nursing school and became a nurse. Cardiovascular was my specialty. Worked for a few years and then I went back to school for my master's. Um, was looking for a job as a role as a clinical specialist and ended up getting a role in management when I was at Loyola and they offered me the opportunity to get my MBA while I was in school there and that really started my career in administration. There was a, you know, a, a fork in the road that I had to make a decision. Was, it, was I going to stay clinical or was I going to become an administrative? And I really started to enjoy the administrative tract. Um, I enjoyed taking care of patients because I loved the Im immediate impact you felt. Mm -hmm. um, but I also learned that I enjoyed the opportunity to make a difference on a larger scale, making a difference in community, making a difference in keeping people healthy and then being there for them when they're ill. So what do you like the most about your career in healthcare? I love the impact of change. I love partnering with individuals across the entire organization. I like partnering with the community, so we meet community needs as well as um, patient needs in the hospital. I like to be strategic, develop a strategic plan and then execute those plans and then making a difference in people's lives. So speaking about the community, obviously COVID had an enormous impact on the community. How do you feel stepping into your role as hospital president coming off of the pandemic? It was definitely a challenging time to be in healthcare. We learned a lot through the pandemic. We learned how to you know, implement best practices. We learned about new treatments. We learned how to be resilient and pivot and make, make changes as things changed in the world of the pandemic. But it also helped prepare me for my role now today. Mm -hmm. I've had a long career in hospital operations, so I feel like I know operations really well. So together with the pandemic, my role, prepared me for um, my first time in a role where I've been part of a merger. So um, our merger with North Shore and EEH was a, a big um, change for us. And the opportunities are tremendous. We have greater resources to deal with the challenges we face in healthcare, which there are many. And we also have the opportunity of a larger brain trust within a larger organization to develop new programs, to develop you know new initiatives, new strategic tactics, where we can learn the best of the best and then implement. So it's a challenging time, but a very exciting time for me in this role. Oh, for sure. So since your career in healthcare has been so long, would you say the pandemic has been the biggest challenge you faced? 
I think it's been one of the two biggest challenges. The pandemic was a big challenge for me, and I think it was for everyone in healthcare because it was so unexpected and so tumultuous. But at the same time, being part of a new merger with a larger organization is a big challenge for me too. Mm -hmm. So let's talk a little bit about how COVID has changed healthcare as an industry. I think the biggest challenge we have faced as an organization has been with our workforce. Mm. It's been very difficult to recruit following the pandemic. A lot of individuals within the nursing or the clinician side um, in healthcare left the field, retired early, chose to be in um, healthcare settings outside of the hospital. So that has been one of the biggest challenges we face, but it is one of our strategic initiatives for our organization to be a workplace of choice. Mm -hmm. So we will continue to be creative to continue to bring people who want to be in healthcare um, to work for us. That is so great. And you know, I can hear the passion that you have for healthcare sitting here talking to you. So let me ask you this. What advice do you have for somebody who might want their own career in healthcare? My advice is you want to make a difference in people's lives. But what I also want to tell anyone who's listening is that that doesn't mean you have to be a clinician. You don't have to be a nurse. You don't have to be a doctor. You can have a career in marketing. You can have a career in finance. You can have a career in supply chain. There are so many things in the healthcare field that you can do. And all of those fields, all of those professions have an impact on patient care in the end. That is wonderful advice. Because truly, I think about healthcare, I think doctors and nurses, and that's about it. Yeah. But you're right, there's so many other things people can do. Yeah, it's an exciting place to work, and I love it. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing all of that with us, and best of luck in your new role. Thank you so much. Father's Day is a good opportunity to be a little extra and show the man in your life just how much you appreciate him. One fabulous way to do that is by giving your special guy the gift of some pampering. Nathan is out on location getting the 411 on men's grooming to make sure the deserving dads in your life look and feel their best. We're in downtown Naperville at the Barber House, founded by Eric Soa, head stylist, and my barber as well. So, so excited to be here and uh, have a chance to talk to you. So I know a lot of times with guys, we're not as comfortable thinking about taking care of ourselves, whether it's the self-care or just, you know, knowing what to do for a haircut or a beard trim. So I think it's important, but you want to talk to us about why that's important for us to think about and, and maybe take some more time into. No, that's a, that's a, that's a main issue is the self-care because us men never had education with the beauty industry. It was always based to females, like our whole lives for the past hundred years. You know, so uh, when we're on the commercial, nothing was educational for us. Like we just know how to change a tire and maybe like do an oil change if we're lucky, you know? So yeah, like we just don't have any education on how to groom ourselves pretty much. Yeah, and I think that comes to, you said products as well. And so I'm thinking about, you know, what's, what's a go-to product? What's something I should look into? Is there a go-to product for most guys? There really isn't like a go-to product for just one specific guy. Like everyone's hair is so different, just like they have their thumb thumbprint is so different. So we look at their hair type, their hair density, what they need. I feel like there's a top three products for each individual. Like my products would be completely different than your products. So it really is customized to that person and 
usually you don't know what that is because like, like I said, like it was never geared towards men and what to do with grooming products. You go into like a Target or a convenience store and you see a wall full of just stuff. And you're just like, oh, that one looks good, you know? So we're here to educate you on what you need and what to achieve from your lifestyle of how much time you need to put into your hair and what your hair needs from shampoo and conditioner to different styling products. So I should think about what I do day in and day out and then products can kind of fit into that schedule. Yeah, lifestyle is so important with hair. Like depending on like your haircut, like if we give you something, a hairstyle that requires the blow drying and requires 15 to 20 minutes, what if you wake up at five in the morning and you're like, I towel dry and if I, if I put the blow dryer on, it's gonna wake up the whole family, you know? So lifestyle is so important on the type of products you need and the type of haircut is right for you. And so that might include facial hair too. And so I'm seeing on you something that might be called a beard stash. Is that kind yeah, of? Yeah, yeah. This is a little little stubble here and kind of growing out the stash. That's a kind of that's what's called a trend, you know. Yeah. And trends kind of come and go, but it's more acceptable to have facial hair, but grew in facial hair. Like back in the day, you kind of just let it grow for a month and you didn't take care of it. That burly mountain man. But now is this the really maintaining it to really achieve? A, a groomed look. It's makeup for men, pretty much. Mm. Like if you don't have a chin, you could really create a nice jaw jawline. Uh, with just like with the lines on the cheek, making it really nice and groomed as well. You could really make uh, someone's face change completely with just a beard. And it's some easy maintenance you can do between services as well, right? You could yeah, line things up, absolutely. Like it, and it's really, like I said, like all about like your lifestyle. It's like, oh, do I have a lot of time? Do I enjoy it? If I don't enjoy it, it's like, all right, let's give you very low maintenance. Like, let's just clean up your neck, kind of give them a guideline on where to put the line, which really matters too. And like kind of maybe cleaning up the cheek with the lines as well until you come in for your next appointment. So beard sash on me, what do you think? Totally. Absolutely. So is it a confidence situation? It's is all it? confidence, yeah. That's what it is. It's really, it, if you're like, oh, do, should I grow my hair? Should I grow a stash? If you just have confidence on rocking it, that's all that really matters. And like everyone's like, oh, I don't know if I look good. And it, like, I'll, I'll let you know if, if, it's, uh, if it's looking bad, but I think it's just kind of having fun too. It's, it's styles. Like us guys don't switch things up. You probably have a friend that hasn't changed their haircut in probably 20 years. Oh, five of them. Absolutely. Yeah. And you know, it's just like where like females are always like switching it up with different seasons. And so same with guys, you know, it's just like to switch up the look. Maybe it doesn't look so flattering than what it was before, but it's a new look. It's temporary. If you have hair and if you're blessed with it, it's just like, cool, do some stuff with it. Like switch it up. Don't have some fun. You know, it gets so stagnant if you don't. Yeah. What's next for the Barber House Empire? Oh man, I don't know. We're just kind of taking it day by day. We're having a lot of time. We're trying to be present. And we're just like, we're, we don't try to compete with other shops. They do what they do. And uh, I know they love hair. And we're just trying to be better than what we were last week. And we're just kind of taking it day by day and where this could take us. Excellent. Yeah. Thanks so much, man. Appreciate the time. Oh man, it's such a pleasure. And thanks for keeping me looking good. Hey. Absolutely. If you'd like the Barber House experience for yourself, visit them in downtown Naperville or check them out online. After the break, we'll look back at the service of Paul Hinterlong as he steps off the Naperville City Council. Stay with us on 630 Naperville. 
People from Chicago pull for Chicago. We root for his teams, celebrate his successes, push through his challenges. When people call us the second city, it's misleading. We're second to none. We're hardworking, resilient, but we have a good time. When you live in Chicago, you proudly call this home. Your bank should too. We're Wintrust, built here, for here. And we've taken our place at Chicago's bank because no other bank can say the same. We were there when true crime podcasts spiked your anxiety. Maybe try binging something less intense next time. We were there for that. And we're here for everything else. Here it's personal because we get to know you. Welcome back to 630 Naperville. Now we're highlighting Paul Hinterlong as his 14 years of public service on the Naperville City Council have come to an end. 14 years as a councilman, it was a roller coaster. Paul Hinterlong joined City Council back in 2009. You swear. Never having any intention of running until others encouraged him to do so. I never saw myself as a councilman at all. They saw something in me that I didn't see in myself, I guess, at that, at that time. You know, they knew I had a heart for Naperville, and Naperville was number one to me, and, you know, it was all about Naperville and, and keeping what we had going, going. Originally on the Planning and Zoning Commission, Hinterlong would take a seat on the dais for 14 years, winning re-election several times. You know, I, I wanted to be one of those guys, you know, build Naperville and stuff and, and be proud of it, you know. During his tenure, he, along with his fellow council members, had to tackle a number of controversial issues, from smart meters to Naperville's first downtown hotel. I was really sitting on the fence for a while, and then finally I was able to, you know, get my arms around it, and it was an important vote. And I do think now that it's here and it's flourishing and everything, I think it was the right move. Other issues that stand out include destruction of the old Nichols Library, marijuana dispensaries, assault weapons ban, and not to mention the pandemic. But through it all, Hinterlong says the key to council is compromise. And I think compromise is a very hard thing to do. If you look at it politically, like I said, turn on the news or anything else, people aren't compromising like they used to. They won't sit down and talk anymore. That's what needs to come back. You know, we're all here for the same reasons, want the same things. Let's get there. One of the things the former councilman says he's most proud of is having a part in getting the city of Naperville to where it is today. And that's not me, that's the whole council as a whole and our staff. I think we've done a great job. It's still a very desirable city, number one or two in the, in the nation every year. Um, we've been able to keep that up even through the, the recession. The mayor came up with his uh, eight years of financial principles and that righted the ship. And we had to make a lot of hard decisions in our budgetary decisions to make that happen, and we did it. Hinterlong's time on council came to an end this year due to the implementation of term limits, something he himself voted for. I think everybody deserves a chance to, to, to be on city council if, if they get elected. They're going to find it's not as easy as they may think it is. Now that he's done with his time on council, Hinterlong says he hopes to have a bit more free time for golfing, fishing, and kayaking. I'm Kevin Maycheck for 630 Naperville. Up next, Liz Spencer chats with a true Naperville notable, Nikki Anderson. Thank you for joining us at Naperville Notables. My guest today is Nikki Anderson. Nikki's roots and service to the community run deep. 
She's here to talk about the woman she is outside of her high-profile roles and give us some insight into what motivates her the most. So it's great to have you here. Thank you. It's great to be here. So what we like to do with this kind of interview on Aprilville Notables is kind of ask you some kind of fun questions. Okay. You know, not the, just the typical, you know, tell me about your life, but, you know, kind of break it down a little bit differently. So okay. what are the three biggest accomplishments in life so far? I say so far because, you know, hey, you're not done. Well, probably my amazing children. Um, like, that's an accomplishment. I think, you know, just getting through the teenage years is probably in itself an accomplishment. <laughs> um, and then I would say, I, you know, I wrote a book. I know. I wrote four. I, I'm pretty proud of that mm -hmm. because to get a publisher, well, now it's everybody does publishes their own, but that I think that was something that I was very proud of. Um, and then my third thing is, I think just the idea of going where my heart and my heart first, probably, and then my mind will kick in, um, in my uh, job journey. You know, like mm -hmm. I've never, I've never felt compelled to have to stay just to stay. Mm -hmm. I've always been able to recognize, you know what, this is good. I came what I said I was going to do. Now I think it's time to find something else where I can make a difference. I, I, I do agree with you. Watching your journey in the last 20 years or so. It's <laughs> pretty non-traditional. <laughs> it, it is, but you've, you've, you've gone with your passion and you've mm -hmm. done it and you've done it well. And then you're like, huh, what's next? Truly, yeah. Right. One, I, th I don't think everybody is able to do that in the sense of finish something, let it go, check off that box and move mm -hmm. forward. Mm -hmm. So I think that's great. Yeah. Life's short. Then I got a lot to do. That's right. <laughs> Life is short. So my next question is go-to foods mm. for you. Because I also know you like to cook because occasionally cook. Um, you've put some stuff out on social media that I've, I've thought this looks great. Right. Um, you know, I salmon, Anyway, it's like if you ever saw, um, what's the, uh, Forrest Gump. Mm -hmm. And remember they were talking about the shrimp. I got mm -hmm. fried shrimp. I got this shrimp. Right, I got yeah, that. That's how I am with salmon. I'll eat it anyway. Cold, hot, leftovers. Smoked. Yes. And anyway, I, I absolutely love salmon. So that's kind of like my favorite. Um, but cooking, I think cooking is kind of my respite. Okay. Um, it's, it's my art. Mm -hmm. um, it's funny when I ask my kids, like, what's your favorite meal that I make? They're like, Mom, you never cook the same thing because I'm always improvising and always changing things. Um, uh, you know, like miracle meals are, are pretty well known in my house because that means I open up the fridge and I go, what do we got? And then I throw something together. And it's just, it's, it's a creative outlet perhaps for me. Um, and then I get to eat it, so that's even better. But yeah, it's, it's my happy place when I'm, when I'm cooking. And then, you know, when my garden comes, it's I, like yeah. jackpot. <laughs> it is. That's a pretty impressive garden over there. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so do you have a favorite family recipe? So um, as I shared, recipes are not my thing. Um, that's why I don't do a lot of baking. However, uh, one of my favorite stories about a family recipe is um, a dish uh, called molasadish, which is basically like a donut. Okay. Uh, and my grandmother, when we were little, we used to go stay with her in Florida for like six weeks out of the year. And it's basically dough that you have to let rise. Okay. And then you pop it in about this much grease and it fluffs up. <laughs> And um, before you put it in, you put your thumb in there so that when it puffs up, it's like this really shallow part of, of the, 
the uh, pastry mm -hmm. or the dough. And so when you take it out, it's like nicely browned on both sides and it's, it's, it's fluffy, yeah. but then it has this hole in the middle and then you take either powdered sugar or grain sugar, like I think that's what my grandma used. So what my sister loved is in that little hole, you know, on the bottom or that mm -hmm. it filled with sugar. <laughs> oh, made it extra sweet. So it made it extra sweet. So this is one of my favorite questions. If you could invite three people mm. to dinner, who would they be? So um, definitely my grandmother, because I would make her cook. Um, and I would cook with her. That would be a real joy. That would be a real joy. Um, and yeah, I would love to sit down and ask her, ask her the questions that I didn't think was important when I was younger. Like there's so many questions I would have for her now, like Finding Your Roots is one of my favorite shows mm -hmm. next to any episode on NCTV, right? Good cover, good cover. <laughs> um, so that would be one. Sylvia Earle, I discovered mm -hmm. around maybe three or four years ago. And I was watching this movie um, or this documentary because I love documentaries, environmental documentaries. And this woman who is just the most fascinating, progressive um, researcher, sm brilliantly smart and so far ahead of her time. And what I love about her and what I'd love to pick her brain about, like it seemed so easy that when she was asked to go on one of these expeditions, it was like with 60 men in, I, I can't remember exactly where, but it was some exotic place where, trust me, I'm sure the bathrooms and you know all of that were not. Well, and she had to fly continent over continent and then, right. and, and then be on a ship in the middle of nowhere. Nowhere, right, with all of oh. these men. And like, was there any trepidation? And I think what, what I've, I've gathered from what I've read about her is she was so passionate about it. She didn't care who she was with. It was all about the research. And to be that passionate and be that committed to something. And even when they interviewed her, you know, when she was, I think, pushing 80 and she mm -hmm. was still just as passionate and still diving. And it was just mind blowing to see somebody who was so committed and, and that she knew from the time she was young that this was her calling. Um, and then Rosa Parks is just, I think, somebody who makes me think of again when you're when you when you need to stand up for what the right thing is mm -hmm. it's hard and as a woman mm -hmm. a woman of color and the time that it was it's just mind blowing that someone would have that chutzpah to just say no i'm 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 i think she said i'm tired of being tired mm -hmm. right so that kind of brings me to my one of my other favorite questions is did you know what you wanted to be when you grew, grew up i thought i did okay <laughs> I still think I do. Um, you know, when I was young, I used to put on plays for my family and I was singing. I got a guitar when I was seven years old. Um, we always had music in our house. So I, I always wanted to be, um, music theater was my passion. So I always thought I was gonna be an actress or a singer. It's just, it's a, it's a tough road. Mm -hmm. um, it's like an athlete. What is it, 2% of, of people that are pursuing that world? actually succeed and become, you know, um, top-notch, top-paid actors and actresses. So it just wasn't, eh, it didn't call me hard enough. <laughs> well, I look forward to see, seeing what you're doing in the future. You know, you're exciting uh, right now with uh, your Women's Institute at Benedictine. Mm -hmm. So, we'll yeah, see. we love that. We love teaching these young women um, to listen and trust their voice and, and to be our leaders of tomorrow. And I tell you what, the future looks pretty bright. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, thanks for taking a few minutes yeah. out of your busy day. To Thank you. It was fun. Me. Yeah, it was a lot it was of fun. fun. Yeah, we'll have to continue this conversation off camera. Yeah, I agree. So, I agree. <laughs> so thank you for joining me on Naperville Notables. We'll see you next time.
On the other side of the break, we'll learn why it's best to leave HVAC maintenance to the experts. Stay with us. Oh yeah, I'll take one of your specials, my man. There you go, princess. We were there when you explored questionable street meat. Oh. Maybe read the reviews next time? We were there for that. And we're here for everything else. Here it's personal, because we get to know you. Up next, we're on location with Kaylin Rizvold getting some hot tips on how to keep cool this summer. Welcome to Business Forward. I'm Kaylin Rizvold, President and CEO of the Naperville Area Chamber of Commerce. Today, we're talking about HVAC systems, talking about some maintenance. I'm going to go ahead and clean some of this wait, off. Wait, wait. Kaylin, what are you doing? Hosing down the air conditioning unit. But did we turn the power off? Good question. Do you know what? I'm glad I have an expert here. Mike is the owner of Dutchman Heating and Cooling. And now that I have an actual expert here, let's learn a little bit from you. So I've been doing this. Is this something I can do, should do, and will you help me out? <laughs> well, certainly anything that we can do, others probably can do. They just need to learn all the steps involved, right? Um, so keeping, keeping the coils nice and clean is essential for good performance. So that we're not trying to discourage people from doing. We just want to make sure that you're doing it safe and that you get the desired results. So yes, don't introduce water until we've removed power. Uh, whether that be a breaker or a disconnect box, but we need to ensure that there's no power there. Uh, on a professional cleaning, what you're actually getting is not someone just hosing the air conditioner off. They're typically using a chemical cleaner, and that cleaner does most of the work. It will take the debris out of the coils so that you can simply rinse it down, and that's what makes the coils good and clean so that they get the best performance. What we're trying to do is get quality airflow through the coils. By doing so, they cool off and they can deliver a lot better temperature-wise inside. That makes sense. I mean, I've seen before, you know, leaves or sticks in there and just taking those out. Um, so I feel I can do some things uh, on my own. What else can I do at home to really just make sure things are running the way they should be? Well, um, as much as I said that airflow is critical outside, airflow is also critical inside. So we start to worry about your filtration system and making sure that, yes, it's performing to filter all the dust and debris out, but that filter is not getting overwhelmed with that dust and debris and restricting airflow through the system. Because the airflow uh, outside keeps this running efficiently, but we also have airflow going through the cold coil above your airflow delivery system, usually a furnace here, uh, and that needs plenty of airflow in order to give you plenty of cooling. How often do I change my filters? Is it something that I need to you know, put on my calendar to schedule? How does that work? It's all dependent on what type of filter you have. Um, as a matter of fact, we have a couple of different filtration system examples here. Oh, great. How do I know outside of literally looking and seeing the fan moving, how do I know if everything's running optimally? Well, really that's where I'd say the professional comes in because they're gonna put their instruments on, checking your system with the electrical performance, making sure that the parts aren't wearing out and trying to avoid those breakdowns before they happen. We also run formulas called superheat and subcooling, and those are ways to make sure that the refrigerant levels are operating to their optimal level. And uh, if you start it, to notice that it's gradually falling behind on similar days, that's the time to call somebody in to check it. Uh, if you also notice a lack of airflow out of the registers, uh, especially if you haven't kept up with your filter, 
might want to shut the system down, change your filter, and even let it stay off for a little while. If a filter got so dirty that it was restricting airflow, what will eventually happen is it freezes the humidity to it, and it becomes a great block of ice. So when that happens, the only thing you can do is thaw that ice out because it's stopping all the airflow. Once that ice is thawed and the filter is changed, then we can restart the system. But that can take 12 to 24 hours, depending how thick that ice got. Uh, but I want to forewarn people, when you turn your air conditioner to allow the whole house to warm up, it's not just the air, it's the furniture, it's the wall space, it's everything else. So even when that air conditioner is doing a good job cooling the air off, it takes a while for it to then take the radiation from the walls and your furniture and your carpeting and your bedding and the rest of it and get that cool as well. So sometimes dropping, or in this case, raising the temperature during the day takes so much catch-up time that you're better off not getting too dramatic on your setbacks when you're not home. Mike, you've talked about inside. Let's head inside and check it out. All right. All right, Mike, now we are inside talking about the control panel. What is this? Walk us through what we need to know. Well, I like to call this your digital comfort control. It's not just temperature anymore. This one in particular will also control humidity. You can add a dehumidifier to it, but this one can vary the levels of the air conditioning speeds to also give you optimal levels of humidity. Uh, that versus programming, geofencing to tell when people are home or not, uh, all kind of really bring it all around to the highest level of comfort you can get. And for having smart controls, it's a good idea to set up schedules and try to have your HVAC work that way? Well, those are two opposite things actually. A smart control is a control that tries to be smart and figure out what would be comfortable for you. Whereas programming is realizing, I know when I want to be comfortable, I know what is comfortable, I'll just set that in there and adjust off of it when I like. Uh, we have a lot of complaints with smart controls because people are, don't know why it's adjusting the temperature up or down and they think it might be their equipment problem and they get needless service calls often just because it's telling it to be warmer in the house and you're thinking it should be cooler. Always nice when you get to learn from the experts. Well, everything we went over was for this system and similar systems. Your system might be slightly different, so I do recommend you call your favorite professional, have them go over it in detail so that they might let you know if there's any slight variations or something that you can do better for your system for its performance. Thank you very much on those tips to stay comfortable and thank you for joining us for Business Forward. Thanks for joining us here on NCTV 17. And now, and now you, you know, know from, from 630 Naperville. Naperville. I'm Nathan Ronchetti. And I'm Paige Ronchetti. See you next time.